0: Hi and welcome back to your favorite Book of Mormon podcast. Today's uh, discussion is going to be on Alma chapter 17. So this is backing up a few years, about 14 years to the missionary stories of the sons of Mosiah. Um, Again, this complexity in the Book of Mormon just is evidence that Joseph Smith could not have done this on his own, that uh, he had to have inspiration from God to be able to do all of this. So this is uh, tricky stuff. All right. Verse one. Now it came to pass that as Alma was journeying from the land of Gideon southward away to the land of Manti, behold, to his astonishment, he met with the sons of Mosiah journeying towards the land of Zarahemla. Now these sons of Mosiah were with Alma at the time the angel first appeared unto him. Therefore Alma did rejoice exceedingly to see his brethren. And what added more to his joy, they were still his brethren in the Lord. Yea, and they had waxed strong in the knowledge of the truth, for they were men of a sound understanding. And they had searched the scriptures diligently that they might know the word of God. Howard W. Hunter said, to understand requires more than casual reading or perusal. There must be concentrated study. Not only should we each study each day, but there should be a regular time set aside when we can concentrate without interference. The important thing is to allow nothing else to ever interfere with our study. There are some who read to a schedule of a number of pages or a set number of chapters each day a week. It is better to have a set amount of time to give scriptural study each day than to have a set amount of chapters to read. Sometimes we find that the study of a single verse will occupy the whole time. Joseph Smith said, Search the scriptures, search the revelations which we publish, and ask your Heavenly Father in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, to manifest the truth unto you. And if you do it with an eye single to his glory, nothing doubting, he will answer you by the power of his Holy Spirit. You will then know for yourselves and not for another. You will not then be dependent on man for the knowledge of God, nor will there be any room for speculation. No, for when men receive their instruction from him that made them, they know how he will save and learn what portion of them belongs to you. President Monson said, may I suggest a formula that will ensure your success? Search the scriptures with diligence. Your confidence will be directly related to your knowledge of God's word. Oh, I am sure that you have heard of some missionaries who were lazy, less than effective, and anxious for their missions to conclude. A careful examination of such instances will reveal that the actual culprit is not laziness nor disinterest, but is the foe known as fear. Our Father chastised such, with some I am not well pleased, for they will not open their mouths, but they hide the talent which I have given unto them, because of the fear of man." President Benson again said we should make daily study of the scriptures a lifetime pursuit. The most important thing you can do is to immerse yourselves in the scriptures. Search them diligently. Learn the doctrine. Master the principles. You must see that. Searching the scriptures is not a burden laid upon us by the Lord, but a marvelous blessing and opportunity. Verse 3. But this is not all. They had given themselves to much prayer and fasting. Their pleadings were earnest. Their requests to to God were sincere. They demonstrated this through fasting. Fasting is a principle of power. As one fasts and as the body grows weaker, one becomes ever more aware of the need for physical and spiritual sustenance for those things which both strengthen the body and enliven the soul. Fasting leads to a consciousness of victory over self, victory over the flesh, victory over the appetites, and thus to that quiet confidence which we know as spirituality. That was by President uh, or that was by uh, in the doctrinal commentary of the new testament of the book of mormon. Uh, President Kimball said failing to fast is a sin. In the 80 in the 58th chapter of Isaiah rich promises are made by the Lord to those who fast and assist the needy. Freedom from frustrations, freedom from thraldom and the blessing of peace are promised. Inspiration and spiritual guidance will come with righteousness and, and closeness to our heavenly father. To omit to do this righteous act of fasting would deprive us of these blessings, and that was from Miracle of Forgiveness. David McKay said, All the principles associated with fasting seem to point to the fact that it produces, one, physical benefits, two, intellectual activity, and three, spiritual strength. The greatest of all benefits, the spiritual strength derived by the subjection of physical appetite to the will of the individual. He who reigns within himself and rules passions, desires, and fears is more than a king. It was with the thought in mind of gaining spiritual strength that James, the psychologist, made this suggestion. To do each day something which you do not like to do. If there were no other virtue in fasting but gaining strength of character, that alone would be sufficient justification for its universal acceptance. Continuing verse 3, Therefore they had the spirit of prophecy how we work in the church, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus and the spirit of revelation. And when they taught, they taught with power and authority of God. And they had been teaching the word of God for the space of 14 years among the Lamanites, having had much success in bringing many to the knowledge of the truth, yea, by the power of their words, many were brought before the altar of God to call on his name and confess their sins before him. Now, these are the circumstances which attended them in their synagogues, for they had many afflictions, for they did suffer much, both in body and in mind, such as hunger, thirst, and fatigue, and also much labor in the spirit. Now these were their journeyings, having taken leave of their father Mosiah in the first year of the judges. So now we're going backwards in time. Having refused the kingdom, which their father was desirous to confer upon them, and also this was the minds of the people. Nevertheless, they departed out of the land of Zarahemla and took their swords and their spears and their bows and their arrows and their slings. And this they did, that they might provide food for themselves while in the wilderness. The weapons they carried were for food, not for for defense or offense. And thus they departed into the wilderness with their numbers, which they had selected to go up to the land of Nephi. So it sounds like they had more than just uh, the sons of Mosiah here. It sounded like they took several people with them. To preach the word of God unto the Lamanites. And it came to pass that they journeyed many days in the wilderness, and they fasted much and prayed much, that the Lord would grant unto them a portion of his spirit to go with them and abide with them, that they might be an instrument in the hands of God. At the conference in which he was sustained as the 10th president of the church, President Joseph Fielding Smith said, I desire to say that no man of himself can lead this church. It is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is at the head. The church bears his name, has his priesthood, administers his gospel, preaches his doctrine, and does his work. He chooses men and calls them to be instruments in his hands to accomplish his purposes, and he guides and directs them in their labors. But men are only instruments in the Lord's hands, and the honor and glory for all that his servants accomplish is and should be ascribed unto him forever. If this were the work of a man, it would fail. But but it is the work of the Lord. And he does not fail. And we have the assurance that if we keep the commandments and are valiant in the testimony of Jesus and are true to every trust, the Lord will guide and direct us and his church in the paths of righteousness for the accomplishment of all his purposes. And then continuing verse 9. To bring, if it were possible, their brethren, the Lamanites, to the knowledge of the truth. So they're, they're fasting here for a specific purpose too. To the knowledge of the, of the baseness of the traditions of their fathers, which were not correct. It may be that more people have rejected the restored gospel or having accepted it, have substan- have subsequently refused the counsel of living prophets because of the effects of false traditions than for any other reason. Verse 10. And it came to pass that the Lord did visit them with his spirit and said unto them, Be comforted. And they were comforted. When the spirit of the Lord is... The spirit of peace, comfort, and assurance is found. This heaven-sent spirit brings with it a sense of confidence. It lifts and encourages. The spirit of the Lord is wholly in- incompatible with such spirits as despondency or despair. That was by Milton McConkie. Verse 11, And the Lord said unto them also, Go forth among the Lamanites, thy brethren, and establish my word, yet ye shall be patient in suffering. To be long suffering is to have patience to allow events to develop at their own pace. And that's by Brant Gardner. Uh, Continuing verse 11 in Afflictions, that ye may show forth good examples unto them in me, and I will make an instrument of thee in my hands unto the salvation of many souls. And it came to pass that the hearts of the sons of Mosiah, and also those who were with them, took courage to go forth unto the Lamanites to declare unto them the word of God. And it came to pass that uh, when they had arrived in the borders of the land of the Lamanites, they separated themselves and departed one from another, trusting in the Lord that they should meet again at the close of their harvest, for they supposed that great was the work which they had undertaken. And assuredly it was great, for they had undertaken to preach the word of God to a wild and a hardened and a ferocious people, a people who delighted in murdering the Nephites and robbing them and plundering them. And their hearts were set upon riches or upon gold and silver and precious stones, yet they sought to obtain these things by murdering and plundering, that they might not labor for them with their own hands." Thus they were a very indolent people, many of whom did worship idols, and the curse of God had fallen upon them because of the traditions of their fathers, notwithstanding the promises of the Lord were extended unto them on the conditions of repentance. Therefore this was the cause for which the sons of Mosiah had undertaken the work, that perhaps they might bring them unto repentance, that perhaps they might bring them to know of the plan of redemption. Therefore they separated themselves one from another, and went forth among them every man alone according to the word and power of God, which was given unto him. Now Ammon being the chief among them, or rather he did administer unto them, and he departed from them, and after having blessed them according to their several stations, or setting them apart, having imparted the word of God unto them, or administered unto them before his departure. And thus they took their several journeys throughout the land. And Ammon went to the land of Ishmael. Now the land of Ishmael is a hereditary holding of the Ishmaelite clan. Uh, Sorensen suggests the area around Guatemala as a plausible location for the land of Ishmael. Uh, We have no idea where geographically the lands of the Book of Mormon are, but uh, that's one thought. Continuing verse 19, the land being called after the sons of Ishmael, who also became Lamanites. And as Ammon entered the land of Ishmael, the Lamanites took him and bound him, as was their custom, to bind all the Nephites. They probably knew Ammon was a Nephite by his clothes who fell into their hands and carried them before the king, and thus it was left to the pleasure of the king to slay them, or to retain them in captivity, or to cast them into prison, or to cast them out of of his land according to his will and pleasure. And thus Ammon was carried before the king, who was over the land of Ishmael, and his name was Lamoni, and he was a descendant of Ishmael. Lamoni was probably a direct descendant from Ishmael, which entitled him to be king. This is the same Ishmael who went with Lehi and his family. The daughters of Ishmael were among the first to defect from Lehi and Nephi and become Lamanites. Verse 22, And the king inquired of Ammon if it were his desire to dwell in the land among the Lamanites or among his people. It's interesting to note Ammon's straightforward approach to sharing the gospel with the Lamanites. It appears that Ammon wanted to win the king's confidence through first serving him. What do you suppose might have happened if Ammon had immediately called the king to repentance? Under the direction of the spirit, Ammon did not let his anxiety to begin teaching rush him into teaching his listeners prematurely. When Lamoni asked Ammon why he was there, many would have been tempted to launch immediately into a gospel discussion. Ammon wisely waited for the right time to teach. Note his reaction to what appeared to be total disaster. He was overjoyed at this opportunity to show these people how a true Christian lives, even at a time of crisis. Talk about waiting for the right teaching moment. Uh, And that was out of the Book of Mormon student manual. Verse 23, And Ammon said unto him, Yea, I desire to dwell among this people. For a time, yea, and perhaps until the day I die. And it came to pass that King Lamoni was much pleased with Ammon and caused that his band should be loosed, and he would that Ammon should take one of his daughters to wife. Now, um, I'm going to read you something here from Brother Nibley. I'm not going to tell you if I agree or disagree with it, but I'm going to read it as it is. There are two ways to look at the offer given to Ammon. The first is that the king Lamoni was so impressed with him and his commitment to dwell among the Lamanites that he wanted to honor him with the marriage of his daughter. The second is that the king's daughter was so beastly to look at that there were no Lamanites in the entire kingdom that would have that would have her hand in marriage. Under this interpretation, King Lamoni was trying to pawn off his homely daughter on the first Nephite he could find. The reader is left to choose which of these interpretations is correct, Um, but Brother Nibley believed uh, it was the latter. Offering his daughter in marriage was how the king proposed to bind Ammon to his people. Uh, uh, Verse 25, But Ammon said unto him, Nay, but I will be thy servant. Therefore Ammon became a servant to King Lamoni, and it came to pass that he was set among other servants to watch the flocks. We are not told what kind of animals were in the flocks. They did not have sheep in America. The animals had to be uh, fast enough to easily run away and would not uh, have stayed together in a group like sheep would. So these are probably not sheep, even though it mentions that word, or it says flocks, which we jump to the conclusion that it may be sheep. Uh, Watch the flocks of Lamoni according to the custom of the Lamanites. 26 And after he had been in the servants of the king three days and as he was with the Lamanites servants going forth with their flocks to the place of water which was called the water of Sebus, and all the Lamanites drive their flocks hither that they may have water. Therefore as Ammon and the servants of the king were driving forth their flocks to this place of water behold a certain number of the Lamanites who had been with their flocks to water stood and scattered the flocks of Ammon and the servants of the king, and they scattered them insomuch much that they fled many ways. Now the servants of the king began to murmur, saying, now the king will slay us. Since the servants were derelict in their duties, the king had to do something to set a proper example. I'm not sure killing them is the answer, but uh, that's what he, that's what I guess he chose to do. Continuing verse 28, as he was our brethren, As he has our brethren, because their flocks were scattered by the wickedness of these men. And they began to weep exceedingly, saying, Behold, our flocks are scattered already. So they just kind of lay down and and start crying because uh, this has happened. I'm sure this isn't the first time. Hugh Nibley said, After the flocks of the king scattered and fled many ways, the servants lamented that, that as a matter of course, now the king will slay us as he has our brethren. And they began to weep. What insanity is this? The king kills his own servants for losing a contest that has been acted out before. In fact, it was the practice of these Lamanites to stand by the waters of Cebus and scatter the flocks of the people, keeping what they could for themselves, it being a practice of plunder among them. So it was no secret to anyone. This was not an ambush, but something to be expected. But the king's own flocks, didn't he have enough men to protect them if this happened regularly? Well, for one thing, the Lamanites played the game for sport. It was more than meat that they were after, for they delighted in the destruction of their brethren, and for this cause they stood to scatter the flocks of the king. The fun of it was their main interest, but Ammon spoiled the fun when he stood forth and began to cast stones at them with his sling. They were outraged. Verse 29, Now they wept because of the fear of being slain. Now when Ammon saw this, his heart was swollen within him with joy. For said he, I will show forth my power unto these my fellow servants, or the power which is in me, in restoring these flocks unto the king, that I may win the hearts of these my fellow servants, that I may lead them to believe in my words. And now these were the thoughts of Ammon, when he saw the afflictions of those whom he termed to be his brethren. And it came to pass that he flattered them by his word, saying, My bre- My brethren, be of good cheer. Robert D. Hale said, what did Ammon say? Be of good cheer. Now we may read this as a story about some shepherd trying to round up some missing sheep, but the message is much more powerful and significant than that. Ammon not only led the force to recapture the sheep, he drove away the evil men who caused the problems, and his heroic efforts persuaded the king to follow him and to follow the Savior. Ammon teaches us that no matter our circumstances, we can be an example to others, we can lift them, we can inspire them to seek righteousness, and we can bear testimony to all of the power of Christ. Continuing verse 31, and let us go in search of the flocks, and we will gather them together and bring them back unto the place of water, and thus we will preserve the flocks unto the king, and he will not slay us. So he's giving them a pep talk here, encouraging them to go forward. 32. And it came to pass that they went in and in search of the flocks, and they did follow Ammon, and they rushed forth with much swiftness, and did head the flocks of the king, and did gather them together again to the place of water. And those men again stood to scatter their flocks. But Ammon said unto his brethren, Encircle the flocks round about, that they flee not. And I go and contend with these men, who do scatter our flocks. Now remember that Ammon was promised by his father Mosiah that he would not be killed Uh, as he went among the Lamanites so I think he has a lot of courage here to know that he's not going to be slain verse 34 therefore they did as Ammon commanded them and he went forth and stood to contend with those who stood by the waters of Sebas and they were in number not a few therefore they did not fear Ammon for they supposed that one of their men could slay him according to their pleasure for they knew not that the Lord had promised Mosiah oh I just said that didn't I that he would deliver his sons out of their hands, neither did they know anything concerning the Lord. Therefore they delighted in the destruction of their brethren, and for this cause they stood to scatter the flocks of the king. But Ammon stood forth and began to cast stones at them with his sling. Yea, with mighty power he did sling stones amongst them, and thus he slew a certain number, six altogether, of them, insomuch that they began to be astonished at his power. Nevertheless, they were angry because of the slain of their brethren, and they were determined that he should fall. Therefore, seeing that they could not hit him with their stones, they came forth with clubs to slay him. But behold, every man that lifted his club to smite Ammon, he smote off their arms with his sword. For he did withstand their blows by smiting their arms with the edge of his sword, insomuch that they began to be astonished and began to flee before him. Yea, and they were not few in number, and he caused them to flee by the strength of his arm. Now six of them had fallen by the sling, but he slew none, save it were their leader, with his sword. And he smote off as many of their arms as were lifted against him, and they were not a few. And when he had driven them afar off, he returned and they watered their flocks and returned them as uh, to the pasture of the king and then went in unto the king bearing the arms which had been smitten off by the sword of Ammon of those who sought to slay him and they were carried in unto the king for a testimony of the things which they had done. Sounds pretty gruesome doesn't it that they would uh, carry in the arms to prove it? This was a common thing though uh, anciently during battles and wars and things that especially those that were paid to fight they they would either carry a thumb or a hand or something uh, to show how many they killed because that's that's how they got paid and so here uh, the servants are just bringing in the arms to prove to the king that uh, look, that Ammon had done this uh, this was pretty normal that they that they would do something like this so it's not unusual um, anyway uh, I know it sounds gruesome this is probably one of the favorite stories for uh, for young men right. I bear testimony that this is translated material and that this is uh, this is true, and I bear this testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I look forward to seeing you in the next podcast. Hope you can make it. Um, if you like this, you can share it, and uh, I'll see you next time. Bye.